The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. And this weekend we're heading west to um, chef, restaurateur, author, um, cookery, lecturer, demonstrator, celebrity, all of those things. The uh, man responsible for Anir and Cafe Bodega in Galway, JP McMahon. Morning, JP. Morning, Anton. How are you? Is today a day off for you or is today the busiest day of the week? Oh, it's the busiest day of the week. <laughs> so, it's yeah, Saturdays are uh, always uh, getting ready for the for the, the busy night and, um, and I always have been. At what time does prep start in the restaurant? Um, about midday. So, uh, so a bit, a bit later, like in Kavanaugh, we, we'd open for lunch so the guys would be at there from nine or ten. So, uh, so it'll be, yeah, it'll be very full on in Cav all day. And do you spend your day behind the stove or do you get to go in, give instructions, be authoritative and come back a few hours later? And now I get to do the the, the latter, <laughs> but uh, uh, we're I suppose Cav is fifteen years old this year and uh, Mir is twelve. But uh, I suppose for at least two thirds of that, um, I was uh, in with the the troops and um, very much yeah, very much uh, working working alongside them. And it, God, it's funny to think that Mir is twelve years because it's it's still it has that feel of new. Does it feel like twelve years to you? No, not at all. And I suppose COVID uh, put a. I suppose we were closed for eighteen months, and then uh, also. Uh, I mean, I'm still amazed that like we still have new customers all the time. Like particularly uh, post COVID, with I mean, we 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 had a lot of um, Americans. Uh, uh, I mean, sometimes it's eighty percent of the restaurant is, is Americans, and with the uh, staycation, though those two summers with so many people from Ireland, and that, and that has continued now. So it's actually. Is a, a better a better balance, but I'm 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 still delighted when people say, "Are, are you new?" And, <laughs> uh, and I go, "No, no, we're here twelve years." And they go, "Oh, great!" So I I, I do I do it, it, for some people, yeah, they still haven't discovered us, which is a good thing. So how do you manage to fit family in around all of this? Because the weekend, if it's the busiest time in the restaurant, it, it's also the one time that most people get to spend with their kids. Does that mean that you rarely get to see yours? Yeah, well, very much. I would say. Pre-COVID, uh, very much, I I think I probably worked four or five nights a week, so it was very much uh, not seeing the kids too much. And I think COVID kind of changed that a little bit, being home more, and I try to make a more conscious decision now. So I, I take Friday nights off now, and um, and then I work Saturday, so I do one of the busiest nights. But um, uh, no, but I mean, for... For the best part of, I mean, Heather is fourteen now, and Mark is ten, and uh, I suppose I didn't even realise until COVID happened, because it was just something you do, and I suppose I did it before I had kids, and you just go to work. And uh, I remember Mark was saying to me, uh, my youngest saying, "Yeah, I was like a taxi driver because I just dropped him to school and then went to work." <laughs> and then, and actually, one said, "I think we could get a new daddy." You know that? Because oh God! Oh, that must like, hurt. That was. Yes, and I was thinking, okay, I need to rectify this. But I mean, COVID did, I suppose, break habits in in, in a good way. In some, and I realised, you know what? Maybe I need to spend a little bit more time at home. And that, and actually talking to chef friends who have who have been in the industry a long time, and some who are restaurateurs, definitely they they felt that as well. You know that it was time that uh, I suppose maybe to create a few new habits. Which is difficult. There's a couple of of jobs that. 
I don't think you're allowed phone in even for a day. And being a chef or a restaurateur is one of those because if somebody comes in and they get something that is a lesser standard than they expect, that's it, they're gone and you lose them as a customer. It has to be difficult to say, let me back off the obsessive attention to the restaurant. Or I, I imagine it's it's a challenge. No, it is. And even, like, I, I, I still, I mean... Uh, even last night when I wasn't I wasn't working service, I, I felt the guilt was just supreme. I was like, "What am I doing? I shouldn't be I shouldn't be going home. This is like I shouldn't be allowed to do this." And I, and it's still something that that I that I struggle with. And it, it is difficult the the way in which I suppose customers or um, critics I suppose view restaurants when you get a bad meal. That's it. And sometimes then um, that could be the end of, of of everything. And I remember Ross Lewis saying. Uh, like losing the losing a Michelin star is equivalent to getting debarred because it's not like <laughs> if you lost it, like it's not like you're not going to cook the following day and you would, but everyone would suddenly just lose confidence and you go, oh no, they're gone. And um, and he said it was similar to a doctor if you just debarred, you're like you have it your whole life and then you lose it and they go, no, no, he's done. Funny, I remember listening to Raymond Blanc saying something very similar where he described it that for a lot of chefs it's almost a curse yeah. because. The loss of it is disproportionately impactful compared to the gain of it. That the gain is nice, but the loss is the end. Oh, hundred percent. And you get it, and it's a surprise, and it's amazing. And you're on this. You kind of join this carousel that you you, you can't get off. Like, but you can, unless you, you do a Marco Pierre White and just go I'm done, because you're so famous, you don't need them anymore. And there has been chefs that have that have done that. But it is, yeah, it's 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 a double edged sword. Like it, it brings with it great kind of kudos but at the same time you have to um, keep this standard and another chef once said like, and it's a very good because a lot of people like football like I mean when we cook in Cavan it's like it's like a league game I mean you can win you can lose you can draw I mean Amir is like the cup final every single night <laughs> and if you, you lose you lose like it's, there's no there's no coming back before I let you go, I have to ask you if you're a betting man. You mentioned Ross Lewis. Ross Lewis, of course, established Chapter One uh, in Ireland for a long time, regarded as one of Ireland's top restaurants. He then, he remains a, a patron of it, but has handed over the reins behind the stove to uh, Michael, um, oh, his name, uh, second name eludes me. The, the, the smart money suggests that's going to be Ireland's first three Michelin star. Do you think it will? I, I hope so. I hope. I, I think it's themselves or Amsher. I think that both of them are very, very close. I mean, Michelin work in, in weird, weird and wonderful ways. And uh, sometimes I think Ireland is, is a still a colonial outpost. We're, we're part of the UK guide. So I think sometimes we, uh, we, we come second to that. But hopefully someday we'll have our own guide. Um, and the, I think that I think there's like 25 missions, mission star places now. And I think when 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 a year got to start 10 or 12 years ago, there was only seven places, and and now there's over 20. So it it has trebled in 12 years. So let's hope it'll treble again. Well, fingers crossed that you'll be in in the hunt when it does. Listen, thank you very much for coming on, JP. That's JP McMahon, who is, of course, author, restaurateur and the man responsible for Cava Bodega and Anir in uh, Galway. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.